the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2020 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. If you haven't heard the show, hey, welcome aboard. We're getting some listeners every week, I understand. And the show is divided in a couple of parts. One part of the show, we talk about estate planning, elder law, and the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount of taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going to court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, we talk about either politics, history, religion, and we just put a thing. We're not going to be talking about Russia or Ukraine on this show anyway. We did it last week, and this week we're going to probably stay away from that part of the world. But with me right now is my son, Michael. Hello, everyone. And one of the attorneys used to work in the Staten Island DA's office, Eugene Krivlitz. Hi, everyone. Now, Eugene, you've been working here uh, a while, but... Give some of the questions that come up all the time, because sometimes we should get back to basics. Sure. So some people wonder if they have a family, wife and kids, and if something happens to them, they think everything will pass on to their immediate family. So for somebody in their position, why would they need a will? Okay. So here's the thing. Let's say we're, we're, we're talking to a male or whatever. First of all, a lot of people are under the misimpression that if you have no will and you're married, everything goes to your spouse. And that's not true. Because let's say you have a husband and wife and they have a couple of children. Let's say for whatever reason, the house is in the husband's name alone. It's not joint. Maybe he bought the house before they were married. Maybe he inherited the house from their parents. Maybe he's just a businessman who happened to buy the house in his name because he had good credit. Didn't put the wife's name on the deed. Okay, so husband dies, has a house. Half the house goes to the wife half the house goes to the children. And that may or may not be good, but it certainly may not be good if the children are from a prior marriage and don't get along with the wife, which many times sometimes happens. Uh, let's say the children are underage. They're 10 years old. Let's say you die without a will. You own a house. It's in your name alone when you die. Well, that 10-year-old child is going to own part of your house. And in order to sell that house... You're going to have to get a court order, and the money's going to be deposited in court, and you won't have control of that money. And that is, is not a good situation to be in. You don't want to be partners with court on your own house. 
And there are other things. Let's say husband and wife together, they pass away. They don't have a will. Well, who's going to be the guardian of that child? And you were talking about guardian, you know, where does the child live? Who signs the report cards? Who chooses where the child goes to school? That's one thing. The other thing is, let's say you pass away and there's a huge lawsuit when you pass away. Who controls the money from that lawsuit? If you don't have a will, that child, let's say that 10-year-old child will inherit that money at 18, and that is usually not a good result. You want an 18-year-old to get millions of dollars, you know, just outright when they turn 18, and that was one of the things that happened on September 11th and the consequence of it. People died without wills. You know, relatively young people died without wills. They were in their 40s. They got millions of dollars of settlements from September 11th. They didn't have a will, and those settlements went to their children when their children reached the age of 18. It was administered by the court in between. Ain't a good result. You got to do some planning, and everybody should have a will. You know, and maybe your will's going to end up saying the same thing as what would happen if you didn't have a will, but if nothing else, you can ask your administrator, executor, not to be bonded, which is going to cost money. And in today's world, everything that goes through, it, it takes time. You ask for a bond to be dispensed with, and a bond is an insurance policy that if you have no will, the administrator, executor of your estate, well, wouldn't be your executive, be your administrator, has to get an insurance policy, has to pay for it, and be bonded for any damages that may occur against your estate. And, and sometimes it's not that easy for somebody to get a bond. Let's say for the sake of argument, you have a spouse who doesn't have a lot of assets of her own. Um, it may not be that easy for her to get an insurance company, to get a bond, to have the credit. And sometimes things can be delayed for months, if not years, because the right person can't be bonded. Um, with the will, you can say, my spouse doesn't need a bond. But, you know, even in, in any case, going through court right now is slow. I mean, you can read the newspapers, but in Brooklyn, there was one surrogates court judge who didn't sign a single order in 18 months. And it's not as if that judge signed 100 orders on the 19th month. Nothing was being done. In other words, papers were going into court. Maybe you want an administrator to be appointed to administer the estate if there's no will, or an executor if there is a will. And even if you have a will, it's got to go through court. It's got to go through the court process. And that takes forever right now, even in the best of circumstances. Things are slow. And, you know, hopefully they're going to start to get better over the next few years, but we don't know. And I, I've got a hunch there's going to be a backlog for years and years. So, you know, do the right planning. Try to avoid probate one, but at the very least, get a will so you have a plan in place. And, you know, sometimes people end up in a will that you don't expect to end up in the will. Let's say you don't have any children and you got a half-brother or sister that you don't even barely know. And you pass away, maybe that half-brother or sister is going to get a part of your estate. Maybe they're going to get the whole estate, depending on your family tree. You know, a will never hurts you. I mean, yes, you want a plan that you don't have to use the will in order to get through court, to avoid going through court, and we want to do a trust agreement. If you own real estate, ordinarily you want to do a trust agreement. Yes, it depends how old you are. If you're 40 years old in good health, we're not necessarily going to do a trust agreement. But at the same time, if you're over 70 and you own real estate, you should have a trust agreement in place. I mean, it just goes without saying. So, you know, there's no one right answer for everybody, but we, you need a will. I don't care what the circumstances are. You know, you could have, you say, well, I got everything joint. I got everything in trust for. I got a beneficiary in all my assets. I don't need a will. And then something happens. The beneficiary on your bank account dies before you. The will covers it. Maybe you have a, a 
safe deposit box and you need a court order to open it. It might be easier if you get a will and you get an executor appointed to open up the safe deposit box. You may have some odds and ends. You got a share of stock um, that from your insurance company that you really didn't even know about. Uh, you inherit from somebody you don't understand. Let's say you got a brother and sister. Um, sister dies. Her will's going through probate or court. And then a year later, her brother dies. And those assets inherited from the sister will go through court. And that's why you have a will. And if nothing else, depending on the circumstances, a will ordinarily would prevent any assets from going to the state. Now, do assets ordinarily go to the state? No. But they could go to the state if there's nobody descended from your grandparents alive when you die and you're not married. And let's say you got a husband and wife. They own a house together. Husband had a number of brothers and sisters that passed away. Um, he's got nephews and nieces. So if he was single and he didn't have a will, the assets in his name alone would pass to his nephews and nieces. But let's say for the same argument, he had a wife. And the wife was an only child. Her mother was an only child. Her father was an only child. Let's say they own a house together. They're in a car accident. Husband's pronounced dead at the scene. Wife lingers on for a few days. She dies. She has no will. That house goes to New York State. Because when the wife died, she was no longer married. Her husband died a few days earlier. Her husband's relatives are not her relatives as far as New York State is concerned. To be a relative, you have to be descendant of a grandparent. If you're not a descendant of a grandparent, you're not related. So in other words, second cousins are not related officially. So things happen. You know, yes, right now you're looking at the situation. You got a child. You don't think you need a will, but that child could die before you, and maybe the assets would go to the state, depending on the circumstances. So good planning, everybody should have a will. Now, another Eugene, we were talking about power of attorney. What questions do you have about power yeah, of attorney? So for somebody who has an aging family member and you know that uh, person might be losing some abilities, uh, how can a person uh, make sure they're able to help their aging family member, and where does power of attorney fit into that? Well, power of attorney is one of really the cornerstones of estate planning and elder law. Uh, it's an extremely powerful document. Now, don't get me wrong. You give a power of attorney to the wrong person, that person could rob you blind. They could take everything you have. Um, but at the same point, if you don't have a power of attorney, God forbid, let's say even a, a husband and wife, they have most of their assets joint. Let's say they have all their assets joint. Husband has a stroke. He has to go to a nursing home. Wife wants to apply for Medicaid, for nursing home Medicaid for him. But let's say they have a substantial house together. You can't change the deed of the house by the, the wife's signature. You have the joint bank accounts. The wife can go to the bank. She can take the money out of the bank. But if they have a house together and the deed reads husband and wife, the wife can't sell a mortgage or do anything with that house, switch it over to her name without a power of attorney. There's no automatic right in New York to sign husband and wife. doesn't matter if you're married 40, 50 years. There's no automatic right to sign each other's name. So in other words, a husband has a stroke. Let's say the husband has a brokerage account. It's in his name alone for whatever reason. He had it as a work benefit. Wife wants to access the account because in New York, we still can go on Medicaid if the husband transfers everything to the wife. Wife can apply for Medicaid for their husband the next month the first day of the month following the transfer. But let's say there is no power of attorney, and let's say the husband has an $800,000 brokerage account. 
Well, then in order for the wife to access that account, she's going to have to get to go to court, get a court-appointed guardian to try to move the husband's assets. Right now, it could take eight, nine months to get a court-appointed guardian appointed, and you don't know. You may not even get approval to transfer the assets from husband and wife to wife, especially if they're children from a prior marriage or in some cases even children from the present marriage for whatever reason don't get along with their mother and they put some objections and you might have an independent court-appointed guardian who may not agree with transferring the assets to the spouse's name to apply for Medicaid. So, you know, a power of attorney can be a very important, very important document to have. Now, again, I'm not going to say everybody should have a power of attorney because if you give a power of attorney to the wrong person, they can they can wipe you out, they can steal you blind. And believe me, we've seen that happen, especially if you give a power of attorney to your you know, your neighbor who's looking for it, that's you got to be very careful of somebody saying, oh, I'll volunteer to be your power attorney. Then I'd say you got to be a little careful. But if you're married, you trust your spouse. You're married more than a couple of years. You want to protect your spouse in case you get sick. You want to be protected in case your spouse gets sick. Then I would strongly recommend you do a power attorney. And if you have, uh, you know, a son or daughter who's um, you, you believe is honest and reliable, then put them on the power of attorney. If you have a nephew or niece who's like a son or daughter to you and you, you trust them, put them on the power of attorney because you're going to have to ask yourself this question. If something happens to me, who do I trust more, the, the government and the court system or my family? And I hope, I sincerely hope, that if that comes up, you can trust your family. And, and I've seen everything. I've seen family members steal. But at the same time, most people are honest. And if you have a family member you can trust, please trust them to be your power of attorney. Hope that they will do the the right thing when the time comes. And you can put restrictions in your power of attorney. You can say that it's limited in certain respects. You can say that the power of attorney doesn't come into effect, doesn't come into play unless a medical doctor, let's say a psychiatrist, puts in writing that you're not able to handle your affairs in a competent manner so that the power of attorney can't be used until a medical doctor, a psychiatrist, medical doctor who's treated you, or a psychiatrist puts in writing that you can't handle your affairs in a competent manner. And in that point, at that point, you know, the power of attorney comes into effect. And you're a lot better off with that restriction on it than not having any power of attorney. And yes, that's going to cause a delay because it's not always easy to get a doctor to sign a statement. So again, if, if you want to do this planning, give us a call at Connors and Sullivan, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. We don't charge for the first consultation. The initial consultation is free. And everything we do as far as estate planning and elder laws usually on a, a flat fee basis, and you know, unless you've got 20 properties or something along those lines. Almost everything as far as estate planning is on a, a flat fee basis. And well, now, Eugene, where, let me ask you something. Where were you born? We're not going to talk politics today. I was born in Belarus, in Gormin, which is uh, approximately 100 kilometers from Ukraine. Okay, and where's your wife from? She's from Odessa, Ukraine. Okay, so... Like I said, we're not going to be talking politics beyond that point. But obviously, you speak Russian. Uh, I speak Russian, correct. Okay, so, you know, if there are any people out there you want to do estate planning, you speak Russian. And listen, we got practically every European language and a few Asian languages covered. Um, but practically any European language is covered by your office. All right, mm-hmm. we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. You'll listen to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. 
If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit ccbq.org. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, uh, the radio station Salem is at uh, 111 Broadway in New York, and there's a remarkable statue there at, at Broadway. And Mr. Dockery, our next guest, can you tell us what it's about? Uh, yes, that's where the Heisman uh, Trophy Trust uh, office is located on the first floor of 111 Broadway, and uh, there's a uh, Heisman Trophy displayed in the lobby of the office. Okay, now, you know, obviously a lot of the people who follow college football, they're going to know exactly what you're talking about. 
But those people, let's say, from other countries or they don't follow college football, what is the Heisman Trophy? Why was it started and what does it represent? Well, the Heisman Trophy is an iconic symbol of excellence for the youth of our country to aspire to. It is reputedly only second to the Oscars as as a world-recognizable symbol of excellence. The Heisman Trophy epitomizes the pursuit of excellence with integrity through diligence, perseverance, and hard work. The Heisman Trust also represents a community involvement and responsibility. The Heisman Trophy Trust has been run for the last 20 years by nine trustees who serve pro bono without any compensation whatsoever. I served as president for approximately 20 of those years. Recently, the, uh, the trust has expanded the number of trustees by two, so now there are 11. The mandate of the Heisman Trophy Trust is to preserve the integrity of the trophy, guarantee its continuance, and contribute to improving opportunities for underserved youth of our country. The Heisman Trophy Trust is a federally recognized 501c3 charitable organization which this year will donate over $3 million to worthwhile charities, which provide enhanced opportunities to underserved segments of our society by blending athletics and academics. The Heisman is unique in that it does not accept any donations. It generates income from sponsors such as our premier sponsor, uh, Nissan North America, and by licensing its marks, the EFPN, for the annual TV presentation. So if you have any questions about the Heisman or, or what it does or how it came about. Now, how do you guys choose the, the Heisman Trophy winner each year? We don't choose them. We have, we have no say in that whatsoever. There are approximately 930 electors from across the country, uh, which include uh, the living Heisman Trophy winners, who all vote. And there's a vote uh, which is uh, compiled by Deloitte, and, and we don't know about who the winner is until the announcement on Saturday night where the representative Deloitte hands the card with the winner's name on it to uh, the trustee who was making the announcement that year. Well, there might, is there a lot of politics going on in the in, in the election and by the electors, or how, how does it work? Do you think? I mean, you know more than than most members of the public. You know, I, you know, I, I think you know. I don't think there. I think most people vote. You know, their knowledge and their conscience. I mean, I'm sure there are some that that are sectional. You know, I mean, if you if you're in uh, Tuscaloosa, and you're, you're a sports writer, most of these people, the electors, are sports writers. You know, uh, I guess you might favor uh, an Alabama prospect, but otherwise, you know, I think we have not had any issues whatsoever 
over the 85 years or so that the Heisman has been in existence. Now, there's something you mentioned that I think a lot of listeners may not know. What what kind of charitable organizations, What you, how is money raised for charity, and who, who benefits from the charitable donations? Well, money is not raised. Money okay. is generated. Generated. By us generated by us licensing our marks, the Heisman marks, which are known worldwide. And our premier partner currently is Nissan North America. And I think if you watch college football, you've probably seen the Heisman house uh, in the Nissan ads. We also generate revenue from uh, licensing the show and the presentation to ESPN. And as I said earlier, we give away approximately uh, $3 million a year to uh, worthwhile charities that enhance opportunities for underserved segments, uh, mostly youth, of our country. Can you give us an example of some of the charities and what they've accomplished? Well, uh, there's uh, figure skating Harlem, street squash. You know, they have programs. They have programs where you have to engage academically in order to be involved in the athletic aspect of those programs. So it's sort of a pay-to-play. You've got to you've got to come there and participate in in study halls and academics in order to play. And how do you guys, do the trustees choose the charities? No. Uh, we did that for a while, but it became too cumbersome, and we did not have the uh, the ability to really do it. We, we run a very slim organization. We have two full-time employees running the entire uh, operation, you know, which, which includes the, the announcements on, on the Heisman weekend, and a gala dinner, which you know usually draws between five hundred and a thousand people. So no, we have no. We tried it for a while; it was too difficult. We have a mission statement which lays out basically what I told you regarding our charities. But uh, New York Community Trust assists us in that. They vet, they vet the charities and recommend them to the trustees, and then the trustees select uh, some of the re- recommended charities. And so uh, New York Community Trust vets them for their, make sure they, they filed all their federal forms, their 990s, uh, make sure that, you know, they're not top-heavy and most of the money goes to uh, the intended recipients and that uh, they're not controlled by, uh, you know, a board that is uh, insular. Now, how did and you? We've also go ahead. We've just expanded. We've just expanded to Atlanta and to Texas, uh, using the same protocols. Now, how did you get involved with the Heisman Trophy? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's a long story. I I was a member of the DAC for many years. Downtown Athletic, Athletic Club, yeah. Yep, it was a terrific place. I loved it. I used to just go there and play basketball, 
and I uh, wasn't involved in politics or, or any any other uh, activities there. I'd have a beer in the in the bar, which was allegedly the longest bar in New York City, and maybe a burger. I'd take my kids there on the weekend to play basketball with them or have them swim to learn how to swim. But at any rate, the uh, the Downtown Athletic Club was in terrible financial shape. Jack Powers, I don't know if you know him, he was uh, the coach at Manhattan College and, and athletic director there. Uh, he was a couple of years older than me, and I used to play basketball with him. Uh, he played some pro ball back in the 50s, I think. But at any rate, Jack was on the board, so he asked me to come on the board of the Downtown Athletic Club. And the Downtown Athletic Club was badly run and in terrible shape. So they were at some stage... They were on the brink of bankruptcy. They were in default on their mortgage. And they were going to do a deal by, uh, I think, selling the club and then leasing back the athletic facilities. I thought it was a terrible deal. And we had a, we had a general meeting of, of the members, all the members. And I basically spoke up and said, I think it's a terrible deal. You know, and these are the reasons. And... A day or so later, a committee to, to save the DAC, none of whom I knew, approached me to run for president. And there had never been an opposition slate as far as I knew. And they were comprised, you know, a federal judge, Judge Sprizzo, was part of the uh, committee. And there were other, you know, some uh, pretty uh, high-powered people on it. So at any rate, we, we, we put together a slate, I ran, and I got elected. Uh, I think the day after I got elected, I had the first panic attack I ever had ah, in my life. You demanded recount? This, this was a 242,000-square-foot building, which had not been maintained. It was difficult to get hot water at times. The elevators would work or wouldn't work. Uh, there were five unions and 125 employees and a tax lien accruing interest at $1,700 a day. So you could guess why I was elected. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, that's what we were dealt with, and we had a, a very good slate of officers, and we... You know, we try to turn things around, uh, try to straighten up the operation. Uh, the, my, the slate was uh, myself, Vasily Christomarte, which was who was a uh, high-end business person, uh, Carol Pisano, who was a lawyer, and Bob Dorgan, who was an accountant. So we took over this <laughs> this, this great prospect. And uh, what happened was we uh, we tried to right the ship. It was in very difficult shape. We tried to do a deal with the city to reduce the $1,700 a day, which uh, Giuliani vetoed. Uh, so uh, ultimately, we filed for Chapter 11, and we litigated the Chapter 11 uh, for a couple of years, 
And finally, we got a plan approved, and the plan was to uh, split the split the building so that uh, into into a condo, and uh, the club would would maintain its club facilities. And then uh, 9/11 came along. I was no longer president. You know, you could serve for three years, which was certainly enough time for me. And uh, 9/11 came along, and that really drove the spike into the heart of of the DAC. The DAC was in tough shape because a lot of the tax laws changed and the shipping changed. You know, you, you make your money, uh, most of your money, I think, from the bar and the restaurant and that died off and the tax laws, you know, changed so you couldn't deduct everything. So at any rate, the uh, 9-11 drove a spike in the heart of the uh, DAC. And uh, then we uh, ultimately, uh, the other half, the, the club facilities had to be sold. Uh, the Heisman was in a trust which was controlled by the the former uh, slate of people who ran the DAC. So we had to litigate the uh, the trophy out of that trust into a 501c3. And, uh, and we managed to do that. And we paid all the debts of the DAC. And uh, here we are 20 years later, 22 years later, and uh, you know, we have a decent endowment, and we give away $3 million a year. So the trophy, instead of supporting uh, an athletic club, you know, generates funds which are donated uh, for good causes. Listen, God bless you for getting involved. Now, what other charities are you involved in right now? What is there anything you'd like to talk to the audience about? I, I would love to talk to them about this uh, dynamite you. Dynamite Youth? Dynamite Youth Community. They are a, a Brooklyn operation that is celebrating. They've recruited me to be on their uh, on their dinner gala committee. And they've been serving the South Brooklyn community in Staten Island for 52 years. And they've been doing terrific work. Uh they, uh, they're having a, their sixth annual gala dinner, uh, which is supposed to be 50th year, but it's actually the 52nd year now at the Pan Am Hotel at JFK. Uh, they've spent the last 52 years providing terrific, outstanding ad- adolescent addiction services to Brooklyn and Staten Island. They've saved hundreds of lives, if not thousands of lives, during this period. And also of hun- hundreds or thousands of families by returning their children to them as functioning members of society. Bill Fusco is the executive director, and Karen, uh, Karen Carlini uh, is the uh, associate director, and they've devoted a combined 95-plus years to uh, Dynamite Youth. This is a great organization achieving remarkable results, and they deserve our support. I would say if anyone is, is interested in attending the gala on April 6th at the Pan Am Hotel at Kennedy Airport or contributing to the cause, they should please visit 
uh, DYC's website, which is dycinc.org. So, I, I mean, I got involved here because, uh, you know, I think they're good people doing good things, and they deserve support. Okay, so that's April 6th at the Pan Am. At Kennedy Airport. Kennedy Airport. Uh, right. Can you give the website again? You know, just so yeah, people are a little more prepared now. It's dycinc.org. And we're having Marty Lyons. Uh, oh, okay. Here, you know, from, Old from the Jack. Stack Exchange. And, and, and uh, Pellegrini is coming, Bob Pellegrini, who was uh, an offensive lineman on that. You know, Marty does the, the jet games on the radio. Right. Uh, my brother, my brother John, is going to come. You know, he, he played with the Jets in sixth in the Super Bowl, right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he'll be there, and uh, you know, uh, you know, we're hoping for a big crowd and and a good celebration of of these people's efforts over the years. April sixth, Pan Am Kennedy Airport. Correct. All right. And, and if you want, tickets are on their website and. Uh, Listen, thank you very much for what you're doing. Well, you know, look. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, this, is, this is what life is about, if you ask me. You know, I mean, I feel privileged. <laughs> you know, uh, my parents are, uh, I'm first generation. My parents came from Ireland. Uh, I've had certain opportunities, and I think it's important to, to give back. All right. Well, Mr. Dockery, thank you very much. And we'll try to help on April 6th. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, tax, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home, but if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. 
The Guild for Exceptional Children, or GEC, has been providing excellent care to children and adults with developmental disabilities since 1958. It is our mission to help build better lives and brighter futures for the people in our care. We serve nearly 1,000 individuals each day and are proud that 90 cents of every dollar is used for actual services. Please visit www.gecbklyn.org or call 718-833-6633 to learn more. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for. Because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, they are cousins, sisters, they are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. You know, we, we talked earlier in the show about a power of attorney, and it's very important to have a power of attorney, but it's it's not only just having a power of attorney, it's having the right power of attorney. You know, a lot of people, they go to a general practice lawyer, they print some form off the internet, um, and they think, hey, I got a power of attorney, that's all I need. But in a lot of cases, that's really doesn't do the job. Now, one of the things, especially if you're applying for Medicaid, you need a power of attorney specially drafted that covers everything that might happen. Give an example. Let's say we have husband and wife. Husband um, signed a limited power of attorney to his wife, and he's in a position where he's got end-of-life issues, and he may have to go on Medicaid for the last few months of his wife life. His wife is afraid of paying a nursing home bill, of and and right now you know it's approaching sixteen, seventeen, eighteen thousand a month, and the wife has some money, but she doesn't want to go bankrupt paying her husband's nursing home bills, and the husband had a limited power of attorney, and by limited it didn't cover everything, and if some people ask me, well, what do you need? I, I mean, you need a power of attorney done by somebody who knows what they're doing to cover all, you know, all the possible things that you may need for Medicaid, because there are a couple of things with Medicaid. One, if your power of attorney doesn't allow you to set up a pooled income trust, you may not be able to apply for Medicaid in that case. Now, what's a pooled income trust? Well, let's say you have $3,000 a month income, pension, Social Security. Let's say you got 1000 a month, Social Security, $2,000 a month pension. And you have a stroke, you want to apply for Medicaid. Your power of attorney, which the standard form is, is such, does not give you the authority to set up a pooled income trust. Well, that means you may not be eligible for Medicaid. Now, 3000 a month, if we do have a, a power of attorney that allows a pooled income trust, well, then we can get on Medicaid. We can take that 3000 a month. We put about $2,000 a month in the pooled income trust, which that $2,000 a month you have to spend each month. Usually we do it 
you know, house bills, whether you've got a, a real estate taxes to pay, mortgage to pay, or whether you have rent. We usually spend it on rent, real estate taxes, whatever the expenses are at the time. And we can spend that money, and then your income uh, for Medicaid rules goes below the income level. Basically, if you have more than $1,000 a month income, you're not eligible for Medicaid. So if you have $3,000 a month income, we put $2,000 a month in the pooled income trust. And then you are eligible for Medicaid, and the pooled income trust will then pay usually your basic expenses. Again, it could be your rent. It could be your real estate taxes. Let's say for whatever reason you have $8,000 a month income. And, you know, we paid your rent, we paid your expenses. What can you do? There are other things you can do. You can start making installments on your funeral bill. Make installments on your funeral bill through the pooled income trust. You can buy a car. And I know some people say, why, if I'm going to a nursing home, why do I want to buy a car? Because the thing is, you can buy a car, your children can use the car, and then you use the car payments from your pooled income trust to make those payments. And that's one of the things you can do so you're eligible for Medicaid. Again, if you have more than $1,000 a month income, you're not eligible for Medicaid. If we have a PAV attorney that allows us to set up a pooled income trust, then we can apply for Medicaid. And some people say, well, my wife can do that for me, can't she? Well, if you're not mentally competent and you didn't give your spouse the authority to do that under a PAV attorney, then they can't do it. And are we just talking about a pooled income trust? No. Let's say for the sake of argument, you've got a husband, he's got a brokerage account for whatever reason, $100,000 in his name alone. Well, technically, he may not be eligible for Medicaid with that $100,000 in his name alone. And if the wife had a properly drafted power of attorney, she could either liquidate that account or transfer that account over to the wife's name, do what we call a spouse refusal, and save those assets from the nursing home bills. But let's say we don't have gift-giving authority in the power of attorney. A lot of the standard powers of attorney limit the amount of gifts you can make either to $5,000 or in some cases the whatever the federal limit is that you can make on gifts without filing, being obligated to file a gift tax return, which right now is $16,000. Well, if you got a $100,000 account and you got a $18,000 a month nursing home bill in five months, it's going to wipe out that $100,000 account. If you don't have a PAV attorney, you could lose that entire account. Not only that, you still got a problem applying for Medicaid if you don't have a good PAV attorney because, again, you still got the 100000 even if you have bills to offset it. It's, it's going to be a hassle. So, you know, sometimes I think, hey, you know, sometimes I'm over-exaggerating the complexity of some of these things, but it's not that easy. You have to be, if you're going to protect yourself, you got to plan things out properly. Um, I, I've, all these years that I've been working with Mike, trying to help him, I understand why it's so easy to get confused. Because you can go and get a Bloomberg Standard Power of Attorney, and it's got this whole list of things that you give the your agent the ability to do. And you go down and you look at each thing and you think, okay, okay, okay. And you check it out. But the problem is, if you don't know about a pooled income trust or that you might need it, it's not on that list of stuff that needs to get done. So your agent's not going to be able to do it. So the the thing is, it's not what you can see on the form. It's what's not on the form. And that's why... 
it is whatever whoever your attorney is it is important for him to know what elder law is all about and the things that as you, as we get older um we not we might need to watch out for so like i say it's it's not knowing how to define everything that's on the form but it's it's knowing what's missing and that's what i've learned from mike it's you know well what's missing in this when he's talking when he's talking to people he's trying to figure out things because nothing's standard no two people no two families are the same so it is important to know what's missing yeah, and, 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 and that's the point about estate planning is try to cover everything. And, you know, and sometimes people start reading up have attorney and they say, well, I'm not a veteran. Why do I need something to veterans benefits? One, you want to do everything. And you may not have any veterans benefits, but maybe your spouse was a veteran. And maybe the spouse is entitled to some veterans benefits. And then in a lot of cases with the PAV attorney, it's easy to try to cover all of the above than to pick and choose because as soon as you don't think you need something, it might pop up. And, and the main thing about the power attorney is, do you have somebody there in the family, usually family, it doesn't have to be family, obviously, but do you have somebody in the family that you can trust to manage things for you? They don't have to be brilliant. They have to have a good heart and be honest. Honesty and reliability is more important than intelligence. Are they going to do the right thing? Are they going to get the right advice? and hopefully follow the right advice when, when the time comes. It's not like they have to be a financial genius. They can talk to a financial planner. They can talk to a lawyer, and we can try to put together a plan, and if the person follows it, usually you're in pretty good shape. We need somebody who's going to be reliable, who's going to pick up the ball and run with it, and get the right advice to do the right thing as far as your estate plan. Because here's the thing. There are a lot of people out there that are out to get you. I don't want to go like Joe Piscopo or something, but there are things. You can go to a nursing home. You may get caught up with some taxes. You know, sometimes using a PAV attorney and end-of-life issues, if you have the gift-giving authority, you could literally save somebody, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in estate death taxes if you use it properly. So, again, if you want to schedule an appointment with us at Connors & Sullivan, you can do that. Give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. And, you know, one last thought. We got St. Patrick's Day coming up. So, oh my goodness! Yeah. So you know, have a happy St. Patrick's Day, and we're going to be talking about St. Patrick's Day next weekend. But thank you for listening. Ask the lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Bye bye. In keeping with our interview, we're going to be closing with Ben Burney and all the lads singing "You Got to Be a Football Hero." <laughs> You are rich or handsome Won't get you anything in her 
Kevin McCullough, are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors & Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors and Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 